Hi, and welcome to Ask Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three, lead teacher, blogger, and founder of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm also the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Ask Wardy is the weekly show devoted to answering your niggling questions about traditional cooking. Maybe it's your sourdough starter, your sauerkraut, preserving foods, broth, superfoods, or anything else to do with traditional cooking. You can catch Ask Wardy live each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, or through the podcast and video replays at askwardy.tv. And now, let's get to today's show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Ask Wardy, the weekly show where I answer your questions about traditional cooking. I have a great question this week from Danielle, who is cooking just for one. She says, I am so into traditional cooking, but I only cook for one. Well, that is a quandary that not only Danielle faces. We get this question a lot from people who are cooking for just one or two, and they love everything about traditional cooking, but they say, how can I do it so it's not so much work and not so much waste, so that it is, works very well with their simple one or two cooking? So I'm thrilled to answer this question today, and let's get into it. First, I wanna read you Danielle's entire question. She says, I'm so into traditional cooking. I love how meditative and yet exciting it is to make kefir or sourdough, and how I can feel the nourishment coming from homemade broth and fermented vegetables. But here's the thing, I only cook for one. It seems like many traditional foods, kefir, sourdough starters, kombucha, large batches of sprouted grains or nuts were made for large families or people who consume them every day. I am single and a student in college. I live at home right now and I'm the only person who drinks kefir, for example. No one else is into the taste. Since I don't drink two to three cups of it every day, I'm constantly putting it to sleep in my fridge until I finish off a batch, which is a great thing to do. I don't even want to try a sourdough starter since my family members are almost all low carb and I can't eat bread that fast. How should I fit a traditional cooking lifestyle for just one person? Well, Danielle and everyone else who might be in the same boat, I'm answering your question today with my five best tips for cooking for one or two. And everyone, you can find the complete notes and everything I'm sharing today, basically the transcript and recordings at askwardy.tv. Look for episode 115. So tip number one, which I think you know, but I think has to be said anyway, is to scale recipes down. Nearly all traditional cooking recipes, just like all recipes pretty much, can be scaled down. There are exceptions, but generally recipes can be scaled down. So, for example, if you're doing, I don't know how much kefir you're making and this is dairy kefir I think you might be doing water kefir but you don't you don't have to do a half gallon or a gallon you can do a quart or a pint at a time so just scale down use less grains use less milk use less grains use less sugar water less juice and just do an amount that you can keep up with consuming uh, another thing is if you're making beans or rice or broth or soaked and dried crispy nuts you can scale those down and just make smaller amounts nothing wrong with that you can even keep a small amount of sourdough starter by doing what I call daily maintenance amounts, and I covered that in Ask Wardy 52, so it's at askwardy.tv, go back to episode 52, where you are feeding just the amount you need to keep your sourdough starter alive and fed so that when you wanna bake with it, you have enough, but no more. Tip number two, though, is gonna be kind of the opposite. Um, you don't really have to scale down everything because of tip number two, which you do already know because you said you were doing it with your kefir. It is to stop or slow down 
things in the fridge or freezer. Yes, we do tend to make big batches of things when we're traditional cooking, larger families, feeding families, yet even a normal recipes yield might work for you, Danielle. It might be too much for you though, um, if you were to sit down and eat it all at once, but it might work for you if you use this stop or slow down tip. You already know it because you're doing it with your water kefir, but it applies to all kinds of things that you could cook. Some I just mentioned, beans and rice and broth and soups and stews. You are gonna cook reasonable amounts, maybe not huge amounts, but maybe just the normal amount of a recipe and freeze portions for later. And I have some examples for you. With bread, you mentioned that specifically. You'd love to do sourdough, but you're the only one in the family who eats it. Well, sourdough bread actually freezes very well. And the best way to do it for one person is to bake it, slice it, then freeze it, and then you can pop off individual slices and they thaw and toast or just thaw in the toaster really well. We do this in our family even though there are um, more of us than you eating traditional foods, but not everybody eats bread. So I will still do my normal batch size of bread that I used to do years ago, so that's three, three loaves at a time at least. But instead of plopping them in the freezer, instead of a whole loaf getting eaten in one day, what I do is I let them cool moderately, slice and then freeze. And then we have individual slices in the freezer to just pop into the toaster. So it works really well that way. Other things you can do with sourdough baked goods similarly is English muffins. So make sure to pre-slice them in half. Waffles, pancakes work really well to freeze. And then you have individual portions to toast as needed. Uh, even cakes or quick beds can be made and then cut into um, individual pieces and then wrapped in parchment paper or plastic wrap and frozen. So there's this particular banana bread that I make for my husband and um, I make a tray of it and then I cut it into nine pieces. It's a square tray. Cut it into nine pieces. I wrap each one individually, put it in the freezer. And then um, if he has one a day, that means it'll last us nine days. So every day about the same time, I pull one out of the freezer, it just defrosts on the counter, and so then it's thawed by the time he eats it. You could do something similar with something you want to bake for yourself. Uh, same thing with broth, beans, rice, soups. Again, um, because it's just you, let's say you cooked a whole pot of beans, it's too much for you to um, freeze and have to defrost and eat all of it. So what you want to do is freeze in individual portions. So your beans, your rice, your broth, everything you're going to freeze in portions to defrost just for what you need. Okay, so you really want to utilize that to make this stop or slow down feature work. As you know, with ferments, because you do it with your kefir, they are living foods. <laughs> Not living like we are, but there is an there is a culture of probiotic organisms there that are alive and that's a great benefit to us. We'll put them in the fridge and they slow down their activity, they, they stay alive, they continue to age a little bit. Move them to the freezer, most of them stay alive but they completely stop activity so it's sort of like you know if it was a, a food that would get more sour in the fridge, it's not going to get more sour in the freezer so you can pick and choose your method there, fridge or freezer, depending on um, if you want to slow down or stop the activity. But so many ferments can move to the fridge or freezer. The kefir that you mentioned, um, you can even do sauerkraut. I am going to say that some veggie ferments that are like meant to be crunchy, they will lose their texture if, if frozen. So you want to freeze things like um, mixtures that have been shredded or chopped up finely like krauts and relishes. Uh, your, your typical ginger carrots freeze well. 
So those can do very well like that. And you mentioned the nuts seeds. So if you're gonna soak nuts seeds, of course you can do less of them, but even if you have a few cups that you can't go through, keep them in the fridge or freezer. And actually that goes for anyone, whether you're cooking for one or two, because nuts and seeds um, have a have a tendency to go rancid, especially if they're stored just at room temperature and that's not good for us. So really everybody should be storing their nuts or seeds in cold temperatures. Tip number three. Oh, and again, just a reminder for everybody, you can find all of these written out with links and everything at askforty.tv episode 115. So tip number three, there are some key bulk foods that do store well. So this is gonna depend a lot on your family's kind of storage situation, but the reason you might wanna consider this is because the fact of the matter is whether you're a large family or a small family, buying in bulk saves money. If you buy in bulk, you can save the money and they can store for years. So if you have food storage uh, facilities in your house, like a cool dark basement, And when I talk about food storage facilities, it does need to be cool and dark and moisture free. So, you know, whether it's buckets with oxygen absorbers or glass jars um, kept in a a cupboard, in a cool cupboard, there's a lot of options here, but it does, in order for the foods to store for years, uh, months, two years, the, uh, the storage facilities have to be good so that you can save money, but you don't have to have lots of cooked stuff on hand, but you can have the, uh, the bulk dry goods and save money on them. So an example would be whole grains, so you know, your and beans, so your rice and beans, you can buy in five, 10, 25 pound um, portions and store them. So you'll save the money, but you don't have to cook them right away because they keep. Even if you were to get into sprouted grains, sprouted grains are very shelf stable uh, as long as you don't grind them into flour, but you can take your whole berries, whether it's spelt or einkorn or wheat, and you sprout them, then you dehydrate them, and you store them just like you would the unsprouted berry, cool and dark. And then you can um, grind into flour on demand. So basically the point here is you can save the money because you're buying in bulk, but you don't have to worry about going through it so fast if you can store it because those foods lend themselves very well to storage. Tip number four, this one I love. It is prepping foods on demand. And I'm gonna refer you, there's probably endless ideas here, but I'm just gonna mention a couple tools. This really relies on your family having some key tools that can allow you to prep food on demand. And the idea here is that you're preparing some traditional foods on the spot because you wanna consume them, or you might be batching them out to last several days to a week, but you're doing it on demand. So here is the mock mill, which is the um, grain mill that I recommend. It's an affordable home stone grain mill. And if you were going to do like um, a a flour dip because you were frying chicken or you're going to make a small batch of quick bread or bread or something, you don't have to have huge quantities of flour or even moderate quantities of flour that you you, um, worry will go rancid or spoil because you can actually take your whole grains. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I got a phone call on there. I have to check those settings. Uh, You can take your whole grains that you have stored properly that'll last a long time and you run just the amount you need through your mill. Another example here would be this waffle maker, um, which helps you make waffles, obviously. (laughs) But I have this one in particular because uh, you know when you make waffles, uh, nonstick really helps. Well, nonstick 
you know, conventional nonstick Teflon, we don't want to go there. But this happens to be an Oster that has a nonstick ceramic coating, so you can feel confident about making your waffles in this. And it's just an example of a handy tool where you could uh, get your flour on demand. You have a small sourdough starter that you're just feeding what you need, and so you can make a moderately sized batch of waffle batter, make the waffles you need for that morning. And we do have a link for you to our waffle recipe at the show notes, askwardy.tv episode 115. So you're doing it on demand, what you need with traditional foods. It's pretty exciting. Uh, I'd love to hear from any of you that are watching or listening in the comments, askwardy.tv, look for episode 115 and share any uh, prep on demand tools that you think would be very helpful for Danielle or others. Tip number five is single single serve to go meals. So Danielle, you said you're a student, so I think you probably find yourself needing to pack meals, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, because you're off on campus and you need you need lunch and maybe you want to save money, you don't want to eat out and you want to eat well. I'm going to throw out this idea for you. Why not prep a few days worth of lunches or whatever meal it is in convenient to-go containers or jars? Screen for a moment. It just so shows some to-go containers. And you can also do this in a glass jar or uh, like a Pyrex bowl. And I love this idea because it's a complete meal kind of salad. And so you layer up in your to-go containers all your ingredients for a full meal. Put your dressing on the bottom. That's really important because the dressing can make salad ingredients soggy, but not if it's on the bottom. So you put your dressing on the bottom and then you put maybe your whole grain, which could be quinoa or rice. You could put beans in there. You can put cooked um, meats, chicken or ground beef or salmon or you know whatever main protein you want. And then on top, you have your veggies. And if you did it in a bowl or a jar or whatever, it doesn't matter. But when you go to eat, then you stir it up so the dressing can coat all the ingredients. But you can prep uh, several days of those at one time, keep in the fridge, and then every day when you're headed out to campus, grab the one you need, pack it uh, in a cooler or a cool lunch bag, and then you got it with you. I think that's a great way for you to take um, your healthy, whole, real foods with you um, for your student lifestyle. I love those. I even do those at home. Uh, and so I'm not on the go, but I am on the go, right? I mean, we all have things that keep us busy. And so the easier we can make our meals, the better. So those are the five tips for you, Danielle, and everyone else who's cooking for one or two. I will wrap up by letting you all know that if you're interested in more traditional cooking, we have a free video series at tradcookschool.com slash freevids, where freevids is all one word, so check that out. And also all the notes, links, the whole transcript for what I've shared today is at askwardy.tv. Look for episode 115. Also there, you can find instructions for submitting your question for a future episode of Ask Wardy, just like Danielle did today. I look forward to your questions. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. Here's what to do next. Ask Wardy wouldn't be possible without your questions, so please keep them coming. If you're on Twitter, tweet me at TradCookSchool with your question and use the hashtag AskWardy or send an email to wardy at askwardy.tv. To get the show notes, links mentioned, video replay, or even to catch up on past episodes of Ask Wardy, go to askwardy.tv. To join the fun of the live video recording, be sure to follow me with the handle at tradcookschool on the Periscope app or go to periscope.tv slash tradcookschool. We record live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. 
And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Ask Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to tradcookschool.com slash awitunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested in traditional cooking will find Ask Wardy too. Thanks so much. God bless you. And I'll see you next week.